Hello, musical theatre fans. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. My name is Ian Boquette, and every week I ask special guests from the world of musical theatre and beyond all about their favourite musicals and what show they would order run forever if they were the Mayor of Musical Theatre, which is, as I say every week, a made-up position. But this is a special 30th episode of this podcast, and as a special treat... We have a guest who is probably more worthy of the title of Mayor of Musical Theatre than most. As I say, every single time, every single introduction, every single outro, because it's very important to me, this podcast is produced in association with MusicalTheatreReview.com, your premier source for news, reviews and interviews on all things on stage, backstage and worldwide. Um, it's an absolutely great website. Uh, you should check it out for the news reviews and interviews and just for the lovely people who write for it. And as head of it all is the editor, Lisa Martland, the superstar editor who is the most kind, amazing, intelligent person I've probably ever met in the theatre world. Because, you know, most of us in the theatre world, we're, we're not good people, are we? But Lisa Martland is a genuinely amazing human being. Um, and she's here to talk to us all about her favourite shows from her incredible career working for the stage and musical theatre review. She's seen so many shows. She's given some great insights. Um, this is a special long episode, so it won't go on too long in this introduction. I just want to make it clear how incredible Lisa is. And you should follow Musical Theatre Review on all the social medias. Musical Theatre are on Twitter and Musical Theatre Review on Instagram. Um, you can also follow this podcast at Musical Mayor Pod on those platforms. And let's get straight into this. Um, Lisa Martland is a wonderful person. I'm sure you'll enjoy this chat. Special long episode. 30th episode. I mean, this podcast has been going on a while now. 30 episodes. Maybe episode 60 will be something else very special. But for now, episode 30. Lisa Martland. Enjoy it. I know that they're not very good for toilets. <laughs> Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. I am composer, reviewer, photographer and now podcaster slash fake mayor Ian Boquette. But I am far less worthy of the title of Mayor of Musical Theatre than my guest today. She is the founder and editor of MusicalTheatreReview.com, your premier source for all things onstage, backstage and worldwide. The best theatre website in the entire world, which helps make this podcast happen, which I write for sometimes, which in 2018 gave my first musical, The Sam Neill Experience, a two-star review, but which I forgave it for because it's a great website with the loveliest editor editor in the West End. It's the wonderful Lisa Martland. Whoa, that's an amazing build up. I don't know if I can live up to that. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. Of course. Well, let's start by talking about Musical Theatre Review. I write yeah. for them sometimes. If you haven't visited musicaltheatrereview.com listeners, go on. It's got all the best reviews, interviews. Including by you. Thank you very much for being one of our fab contributors. Thank you for getting me into press nights. I could not afford my lifestyle without <laughs> press night tickets. <laughs> um, so what was your vision for Musical Theatre Review when you started it? Well, um, it came out of a actual magazine, um, a musical magazine called Musical Stages, which a lovely lady called Linda Trapnell edited. And I used to write for that. I used to do a touring roundup and just help out. And then it got to a point around 10 years ago where she couldn't sort of, she wasn't able to continue it anymore. So the other team, very small team of people who put that together, um, thought we'd maybe do a digital magazine version at first. But we realised quite soon that we didn't really have the resources or enough people or the knowledge actually at that time, 10 years ago, to put together a digital issue. And if it wasn't going to be an immediate commercial success... Um, on the whole, those other people weren't 
you know didn't really have the time to sort of put towards it which is understandable mm. but you know musical theatre has always been a huge passion of mine I was sort of um, I wasn't on staff as a journalist at the time I was based at home and I really thought it had a great deal of potential I was helped by the fact that um, I had spent 10 years on staff at the stage newspaper so I already had a bit of a head start so when I got in contact with contributors and press officers it yeah. wasn't like who are you why would we want to sort of give you tickets why would we want to write for you so that gave me a little bit of a head start they'd really. seen your name in emails before that always yes helps. that was really helpful and then I, I don't know really I, I just thought I'd give it a go and and it was such I suppose in a way it was a bit of a passion project but I did have a vision to try and cover as much musical theatre up and down the country as well as in the West End and also you know support and nurture new work as well and you know, I thought at the beginning that I might be able to do it all by myself, but um, <laughs> that was a bit bonkers, really, to have thought that, you know, yeah. I obviously needed the help of quite a lot of people <laughs> to pull it off. Absolutely. I and mean, it's so lovely that it's dedicated to musical theatre. Yeah. There are so many stagey blogs, so many theatre blogs, but I think it can get a, a bit too diffuse when you're trying to review every single one-person show, every single serious play, ballet, opera, everything. Um, so musical yeah. theatre, I imagine, has always been the passion, the drive behind it. It has, really. I mean, I've, I've always loved theatre since you know since I was young but particularly musical theatre that's been a you know I suppose I mean I, I love going to plays as well but my knowledge and background is in that area and um as far as I'm concerned there's nothing better than going to see musical theatre it's so you know it's an art form that's underestimated a great deal and I suppose maybe that was part of it as well to you know get it be get, get it be taken seriously which it isn't always um and I think it's put down you know quite a lot so I suppose that was part of it and as you say you know it's gone mad in the last well it's great really the whole sort of world of blogs and websites um in the world of theatre um has expanded so much over the last 10 years I mean it's such a contrast now to when musical theatre review started but as you you know again as you say a lot of websites and um and blogs cover try and cover everything which is great to have that range but we're very specifically that area so I think that gives us a little bit of a difference mm. you know for when people know to come to us for you know the ex not well I suppose sort of an expertise in that area really you know so I, I think that's a good selling point for us and also to support new work as well as I say yeah. Well you mentioned expertise of contributors what do you look for in contributors there might be some listeners out there who want to start writing for musical yeah. theatre review what, what would <laughs> well, you say to them? To get in touch. Well I suppose um, one of the points I made actually in a piece I wrote which is on the website for the 10 year anniversary is that and um, we've actually very it's very nice we've won a couple of awards for it being a blog which I've got no problem with us being described as a blog as well but I suppose I regard it because of its um, background coming from a magazine and because I'd worked on publications before I very much look on it as an online publication mm. so uh, looking for a real quality of writing you know approaching the art form with a certain knowledge people being constructive you know doing their research uh, it's not kind of wham bam thank you ma'am it's kind of like a sort of there's a part of it that's an element of record that people may go back and say oh, what about that production of you know wicked when that had this cast or mm. what or what about that new musical by that person in that year so there's an element of record there and an element of i'm um, not that we encourage new writers but i think i'd look for sort of a respect for the art form and also not to 
just if they don't like something to say why but in a constructive way sometimes you know we do student productions sometimes and a reviewer might write write about it as if it's like a professional production where everybody's been working for a long time um, I think you've got to each each situation has to be looked at differently and you have to regard the cast the writers the whole production where it is in its history as it were so yeah I think being constructive and fair and accurate mm. you know there's a lot of stuff that's out there on online where you know even if it's like a performer's name spelt wrong or or a writer that's not with us anymore you know his name spelt wrong or they say something about them isn't factually accurate i spent a lot of time editing and checking facts it you know i, I want it to be i want someone to read it and think this is a, an authoritative site i suppose so that all informs it that's wonderful to hear yeah, yeah. Um, you're right as a as a website as a publication of record yeah it's good to get those details right so it's really for historical yeah reasons, and i suppose that was drummed into me at the stage as well you know it was very important i mean that was before there was uh, so old that was before there was really like proper websites and things like that where you could easily amend names yeah. you know it was a print publication or obviously it still is but that's really all it was initially when i wrote when i worked for it and this, the stage hasn't has a certain status so if a performer gets their name in a review mm. in the stage for the first time and it's published wrong it's not correct sorry published incorrectly then you know that's a big deal for them so it's it i think all of that side of things is is really important that it sh shouldn't be underestimated how important that kind of thing is absolutely yeah. Well, in this in this day and age that we live in now, where you can just go on Twitter, you can go on Instagram, you can get a million different opinions yeah. about a show before it's even open technically. Yeah. Where do you see the place of theatre journalism like this long form reviewing musicaltheatrereview.com? I think it is difficult because I think everybody's just, you know, looking at their phone the whole time <laughs> and with nothing that there's nothing wrong with that but i'm not sure how much people are looking for they're looking for a quick answer oh I'm, am i going to go and see um the culture for cabaret i'll just read you know how many stars it got or i'll read the first paragraph or review or I'll look as, as, on social media and see what it says but i do think there's room for all of that but it's just, you know, as there is in any art form, um, there's room for decent criticism, decent analysis, decent debate about what a show is about, what it means to the audience. Um, it's also, you know, a way of commending, you know, sort of discussing people's work and discussing what's good and bad about it. Yeah, all, all of that, really. I think, that you know, people um, want to read proper criticism or proper analysis of of these shows as well. So I think there's room for both, and there's still um, readers out there who want to know more about um, where the show comes from, the writers, their background. We were both at the Car Show Fall recently. We've both written reviews about it, and there's an element where a show is very powerful and relevant, and that's worth discussing as well. Mm. So there's all kinds of issues around a show. That it's not just, you know, was the show good? Shall I go? Yes. There's a lot more. It's, you know, if a book is reviewed or a play is reviewed, a painting is reviewed, it gets the debate out there and gets people talking about it. And it's important for the practitioners, I think, as yeah. well. They might not say so if they get a bad review, I suppose. <laughs> but And when people reflect on the shows, you know, in the past, I mean, I often look back at reviews of productions i've seen before um yeah. yeah it's i think it's there's definitely there's a place for it alongside all the quick fire stuff as well 
Uh, well, you talk about um, research, about context, uh, about you know, in-depth analysis and critique, which is all absolutely wonderful. And it's an absolute credit to your team, me very much excluded, but everyone else no, who wrote is amazing. Very much but, included. Are, <laughs> but they are, are able to do that after seeing a show, after being given free wine by the PR people, and then they go home <laughs> at 12 midnight, they write what these great reviews, or first thing in the morning when they're hungover yeah. after the press night, they're able yeah. to put these together. Um, there is a, a level of skill in the writers you gather around you. Yeah, I think um, when I was um, younger, the the way I rem- realised I was quite interested in going into journalism was because when I saw a show, I I wanted to write about it, and I did. I I wanted to do that before I knew what journalism was. I think um, I can't thank the team of people that write for Musical Review enough. I have been so fortunate um some of the team um sort of came along with me from the stage which is fantastic and then other people as you suggest get in touch and say i'm interested and send an example of you know their their reviews and then there have been people who've written for us and then gone off to write for other people which is great the age range is you know sort of early 20s um to 80 you know um somebody i just sat next to at a cabaret oh, wow. at crazy cooks and now you know who's like now 80 um and um just sort of we got chatting about Seamus Sondheim and then he ended up and he's one of like my main reviewers now um again very knowledgeable um but yes i mean i'm so fortunate because it's not just people in london it's people um across the uk and sometimes overseas as well mm. and I sometimes am I'm incredibly moved by how someone else reacts to a show because I think that's what one of the great thing about a review yeah. is that you really feel the emotion and the connection of the reviewer. And sometimes someone who's really connected with something and really loved it, maybe it means something to them personally or they've just been overwhelmed by performance, if they can express that in a review, that's an absolute skill and I think as as you were saying you know about what's important about longer reviews is to show that um, reaction to a show to express how you've connected with it and why Mm. and you can't do that in a tweet Um, and that must be you know one I mean I know I should probably sure a lot of practitioners don't want to read reviews but you know sometimes we do get feedback from the writing saying Mm thank you for the way you've you know not me personally one of the reviewers um how you've written about this and understood it i mean you know um was it your review of uh, Matilda the movie? I can't remember. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I reviewed Matilda the movie. Yeah, yeah, which actually Tim Minchin came back and commented oh, we did on, yes, and commented on the quality of the review and what and the, the opinions and the views expressed in that review. I mean, that's fantastic when people have actually got you know got something out of it and really think someone sat down and properly thought about it. Mm. And I think that's another reason why long reviewing is really important but yeah i can't thank the team um you know enough they they they're quite the the level of their writing the quality of their writing makes musical theater review what it is it couldn't be that without them and i think that's hopefully part of what attracts people to read it hopefully well in this 10th (laughs) anniversary well everyone's reading musical theater review i tell them to every episode and (laughs) if they're disobeying at this point so it's a 10th anniversary year yeah um 
one of the things we're doing is I started this podcast in association with musical yeah, theatre very fantastic. excitingly and um, what else is planned for this 10th anniversary year well we've done quite a lot of um, we've done quite a lot of um, some special features and um, we also have done quite a lot of giveaways and ticket competitions um, and I think our most recent ticket competition was for Guys and Dolls which is very successful so and we're hoping maybe to have a do Ooh. later on this year which to be honest is really my way of thanking the the team for everything they've done over the last 10 years that's what I'd really like to do and then I'm hoping that we can get more um you know unique um interviews um and competitions and giveaways and just celebrate a bit more until we get Lovely. to the end of the year and your web um, sorry your podcast has been a really amazing addition to the anniversary year and it's been very exciting you know sort well, of to be you. in association with that yeah no it really has well thank you yeah i'm looking forward to doing a lot more i'm looking yeah. forward to this party where i can get the dirt on all of <laughs> the other contributors so when they review yeah. my third show it's going to be five stars <laughs> blackmail and good absolutely yeah no i just i just would really i've not been very organized if i'm honest um but i would really like to get also, there's some of the contributors that I haven't even met, you know, course, like yeah. they've come, they don't live in like near me or mm. they've just come from like they live in other parts of the UK. So it would be really nice to get a lot of the team in the room and, and you know, say thank you. I wouldn't, and I um, would love to see if I can organise a little bit of a cabaret um, as well. Yeah, if I can. Yeah. Bit of singing. Very much looking Not me, to obviously. <laughs> well, we'll make you do that. It's the 10th anniversary. The world does not need that. <laughs> Well, you've seen a lot of shows. You've been to, I don't know, do you want to try and put a number on it, the amount of oh shows gosh, you've seen? I don't know. I, no, I wouldn't really know, actually. There was a bit of a dip when the, when the family life rather overtook. But of yeah, course. but I've been pretty regularly going since I was, you know... Well, I would say to the um, since about 10 years old, which nowadays I think is kind of quite late. I think people, like kids, go to the theatre a, a lot earlier amazing, now. Well, I definitely it? took my children to theatre much earlier than that so uh, I think too much actually um, <laughs> they try to brainwash them into liking musicals <laughs> but yeah no I, I wouldn't even know I suppose thousands of shows really wouldn't it be yeah it's so yeah. lovely when the loft go. is heavy with the programs oh yes yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah don't get me started on programs I live in a small flat that we're overtaking I know, everything I know people I go with um, to the theatre now don't buy programs as much um you know, because it's all available online. I have to really work hard not to buy a programme. It's like a set, like yeah. convention in my life. So, yeah. So and hard. there will be one production which becomes stupidly popular and that first edition programme is very it will valuable. It be worth something. Absolutely. And I went, yeah, exactly. So you need to buy them. <laughs> Do you remember back when you were 10, what was that first show which first made you fall in love with musical theatre? Yeah, well, I think, so my father was a great influence um, on me. He was the one who kind of, it was almost like having an education in in sort of the American, uh, Great American Songbook and Musical Theatre. And he, um, I suppose he could have introduced me to it and me not like it, but that didn't happen at all. So I'm, I'm still very grateful to him. So yes, so he took me to see Oklahoma at the Palace Theatre, which of course Cursed Child is on now, when I was 10. And I wore a long dress and he bought interval drinks. I just, I have quite vivid memories of him walking me um, to the side of the road where you look at the palace, you know, from the other side of the road. Yeah. I, I can really, I can really visualise the front of the theatre for Oklahoma. Um, and um, yeah, so that was, and that was, I, I was already liking musical theatre by then because he was like, he'd have this phrase, I've got one 
I've got one for you and he'd play a song um, and, then, wow. and and so I already knew you know who Cole Porter and Joan Cohen and Rogers and Hart were and all these people um, probably before I was even 10 yeah. um, but the biggest the first big West End show was Oklahoma I found out the other day that um, that it was Maria Friedman's first West End show and that she oh, was wow. in the so I didn't know this until That's the other historic. day oh uh, yeah and she was in the ensemble something. and apparently I think she might have played the lead role eventually but not when I saw it um but Alfred Molina was Judd and yeah, it was, I, well, I didn't know who Alfred Molina was at the time, obviously, but yeah, it was a big deal. It was, a, yeah, it was, it was, um, a real start of, you know, after that I saw quite a lot of shows after that, but I always remember that vividly actually. The only production of Oklahoma I've ever seen live is the current one that yes. they have, which is yeah. obviously very weird and horny and grown up and I can't <laughs> imagine taking a kid to it. No. Um, but what was it as a child which really grabbed you about Oklahoma? Because I mean the themes are still dark even if you take yeah. away the weirdness of the new one. Well I think it was uh, probably um, on that particular time the whole experience of going into the West End and right. you know, imagine doing that for the, well I'm sure you can, imagine for the first time and being yeah. in that theater like the palace and the whole sets and performances the whole the whole production um but yeah it, it's weird because when i reflect on the show now i mean i thought the music was amazing obviously the choreography it's a really great score i mean the, so the fact how good the score and the book are um shows in the new in the new production in the current one because um because they haven't really ch they, obviously they changed the orchestrations a great yeah. deal but they haven't really changed a lot of the words um so it 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 really sort of had a profound effect and as you say um just taking in all those amazing performances and a really engaging story and all the fabulous chore choreography in a West End theatre was quite overwhelming I wasn't sure I was going to like the new production because I it, because the show held such a soft spot for me. Uh, yeah. Actually, just before the pandemic, saw it in New York. Um, oh, wow. Um, and then again at the Young Vic. Um, and I just thought it was absolutely incredible. And I suppose because it had been a show I knew so well, um, it really completely made me look at it as it did for a lot of people. Mm. I'm not sure I'll ever watch it or see it through the same eyes ever again after seeing that production. It really... I just thought, how come I never, like, at the end, ever thought that, that it was all a bit of a dodgy court case in the end? And, you know, the way they judge they yeah. judge it when he gets away with it. And I thought, all the times I've seen it and watched the movie, I've never <laughs> like, questioned that ever. And then suddenly I'm watching it thinking, can't, you know, come on, actually. <laughs> um, so that, but isn't that brilliant? And I, it's so brilliant. It's like, so brilliant because I think... Um, you know, I love I love traditional revivals. Yeah, but I wish I wish there was more of that. I know people who are very very traditional about their musicals; they hate it. But I just think, why not? Why not? You know, that happens with like straight plays mm. or you know straight drama all the time. Why can't we do that more with musicals? I thought it's brilliant. It's great that they didn't just try and gloss over or hide the things which are problematic about the first no. version. They made a feature of it. It makes it the most powerful part of the whole it, play. It does, and and the things you, as I say, that I've never really thought about. Yeah, I, I was um, sat next to someone at. Um, the open air Regis Park the other day and they were moaning about a production of Seven Brides um, <laughs> at the open air because yeah. it wasn't, you know, it had a few changes and tried to... You have to change it a little bit. try to address some of the things that are perhaps questionable about sure. Seven Brides. And they said, I don't know, it should be left in the, in the time it was set. It's, you know, set, it was a period piece. 
Um, and you know, I I I love classic classic musical theatre, but yeah. you know, there's a time and a place for these things where you have to take on board contemporary the contemporary yeah. world. Well, and, that's what theatre um, is. It's presenting a story to a contemporary audience. It's I know nothing if not that theatre. No, and I just um, I didn't. I mean, I didn't say this to her because mm. you know, sitting over pizza at open air Regent <laughs> Park, I didn't see the time. But I just thought I kept thinking in my head. Please, I hope you haven't gone to see Oka. <laughs> She's really not going to have a good time. <laughs> and equally, the um, the carousel they did at Regent's Park Open Air. I don't know if you saw that. No, and, I, and he, she Another mentioned great that. Transformation. Well, but I, I never saw that. I really, that's, you know, that's on the list of things, you know, you miss things. Yeah. There's a few things that Regent's Park I've missed over the years that, you know, I've watched the odd one on online or, yeah. you know, when they've recorded stuff. But, um, yeah, I didn't see that. Carousel is, a again, a problematic show, but one that I... I'm quite fond of actually so I would have really been interested to see what they did you know yeah what, what well, I grew up with my grandparents playing those records over and over again so I, I love the music and to be able to appreciate something like Carousel something like Oklahoma um, in a way the way you don't feel uncomfortable about it where you don't have to worry about that sort of thing and yeah. the fact they did it without changing the source material much if at all it's well that's wonderful. what I yeah I, that's why I think that's the new Oklahoma you know you you, you go to see it and you, well, they've changed it, but they, no, they haven't. I mean, the orchestrations, as I said, are really, really different. I love them actually, um, but I, I love the combination of instruments used for that, and I love the fact that you know the um, performers got involved, you know, in the, in the performance of the music as well. Yes, um, I thought Arthur Darville did. You know, when I saw him, was brilliant. But but the, as you say, the, the words and the songs are still there. You know, they haven't been changed. And when you come away from it, you think, well, they must have changed something because <laughs> it feels so different. But that's the uh, excellence of the production, I suppose. Yeah. Well, talking about incredible music, the yeah. second question, which we should get onto because yes, we're half I'm an sorry. hour into the podcast. No, <laughs> this is sorry. amazing. I knew it would be a long podcast because <laughs> of your experience. Um, which musical school? <laughs> That's okay. I've got nothing else to do. With the, I, mean, I work in a school for any listeners who don't know. So I'm in summer holidays. I've got all the time in the world. All to the time. I've got hours to cut this back. <laughs> Which musical score gets stuck in your head the most often? Well, actually, I think it's um, at the moment, I suppose it, and I've heard your other, like, you know, um, other podcasts and I think other people have said this, but sometimes it is the one that, you know, you've just seen or, yeah. you know, um, and I suppose at the moment it is Lacage because we you know, saw that recently at the open air. I, I just forgotten what a brilliant score that is. I, I love Jerry Herman so much. He can write uh, the melody. Uh, half, gosh, he really can. I mean, you know, and it's not just the, I mean, um, it's not just the really sort of, you know, I am what I am, best of times, you know, the title song. Um, it's not those that just stay in my head. It's, you know, the ones that make me think about the sentiment and the motion behind the songs. Really, those are the songs that stick in my brain, the ones yeah. that I think, well, probably for most people, but, you know, that have an emotional, sentimental connection. And yeah. there's a um, a song in the second act called Look Over There, which I think is just like poetry, really. And is um, very, I mean, I did have a blub <laughs> in the theatre. But I mean, well. but most people who know me know I'm very easy. <laughs> it doesn't take much to make me cry. But, yeah, I mean, it's just... And if something's got some kind of, like, um, you know, draws you in emotionally. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm listening to that quite a bit. I also went to see Cabaret recently again. And so that's a bit... That's a bit in my head. So it is, you know, often the ones... But there are sort of old favourites, I suppose, I go back to mm. um, for comfort. But... Um, they're just so, you know, I'm trying to get better with my, um, you know, moving over to Spotify so that I can just access, 
you know, anything and everything. And I saw Groundhog Day um, the other time, but that was for the first time I'd seen it. I know you were a fan oh, wow. of I love that the show. show. I saw it, I wanted to get in just before it closed. And I've listened to that a few times as well because it's very fast wordplay on the night, so you just can't catch it. I'd like to have seen it, yeah. it again, really, but obviously I, you know, it's too late for that. But yes, I want to hear all those words again. So yeah, yeah but probably mainly Lacage at the moment, yeah. Solid choice. Well, speaking okay. of shows that are open in the West End at the moment, uh, what is your favourite musical that's currently on in London? I was just trying to think about this because it's quite like difficult, isn't it? But um, I was trying. I think. Um, well, I think obviously Lacage gets a vote um, at the open air. But I suppose if, if you include that as West End, um, but. Um, there's probably a debate on that, you know, because um, it's not. <laughs> right. yeah, I think technically it isn't, is it? It isn't really. But so, um, but do you know, I really, I, I had to like um, maybe talk about six. I've seen six like um, so many, well, quite a few times, and it, not every show you want to see again. You know, I know yeah. there are there are the shows that get the people who they zone in and they love it so much that they revisit it so many times yes. which is you know um a wonderful thing obviously my life doesn't allow me to do, <laughs> do that even if i wanted to but six i've seen loads of times fortunately i've seen it on tour and and um quite early on in its you know development and then obviously at the vaudeville at the moment do you know i just love it every single yeah. time it it's different it gets better there are not many shows how they manage to do that i do not know but <laughs> every time i see it yeah. i feel like it gets better the vocals are there to die for it's Absolutely. funny it's moving and there's something amazing about the atmosphere of it and it's like no other show because it brings in such a you know i mean for some people i bet that might be one of their first shows Oh, I'm sure. It brings a whole different audience into musical theatre. Anything that, yeah. you know, reminds people that music, you know, it's not, theatre isn't just about sort of, you know, sitting in a white middle class audience in a, in a you know. Yeah. <laughs> Does well, that sound a, bad? Sorry, but you that's know. That's the great thing about it. I mean, it's so many <laughs> miles young away. young bums on seats, yeah. Yes. Well, that's what the musical theatre world needs. Yeah. Um, it's so many miles away from Oklahoma where you started. And it's great that you're embracing the new forms of musical theatre. Because it yeah. is, it's, it's a pop concert with a little bit of talking. It it's is, very yeah. different to what a lot of tradi traditionalists. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I suppose... Um, yeah, I hope I hope that's something that I do do. That's a really um, interesting point. I don't think to myself, oh, I must embrace the new stuff that comes in. But I get really excited. I mean, you know, the website is I really want to support new new work. Yeah. Um, I love the story of Six because, you know, we reviewed on the website, we reviewed the show um, when it was at Edinburgh, you know. Wow. And then every time something different happens, it, when it went to the West End, and it opened on Broadway, you know, and then it, it's just, I just, it's such a fairy tale story. Uh, you know, when does that happen? Hardly ever in your lifetime that you'll yeah. see that creative process and you'll see that happen to people who never imagined that would happen to them. And uh, so I think that's part of the joy of the show as well, that you know where it came from. But yeah, I'm really, I, you know, anything and everything, I think you've got to be, love the old stuff, but very receptive to the new as well, yeah. It's so lovely to see um, Toby Marlowe, Lucy Moss. Uh, they've got their Tony Awards now, and oh as you my, say, coming I from mean, Edinburgh. I mean, incredible. it was just, yeah, you just feel so, ch I mean, you know, I've, I've never met them. I just, you just feel, feel so, you almost feel like proud. <laughs> you yeah. just don't know them. Um, yeah, because it's so hard, you know, I know from just, you know, even my own limited experience, 
and well, you and you know it even more than me because you've got a new shirt. You I need. have no Tony Awards, yes. <laughs> but you know what it's like to try and write a whole new work and mm. get it up and staged. I can't imagine what a Herculean task that is. And um, and also, you know, the in, industry it isn't always wonderfully. It doesn't make it easy sometimes for new writing, new musical theatre writing to get off the ground. Um, So, you know, I bet, you know, the the person sitting at home writing their new musical must look to that. And I know that, you know, a tiny percentage of them are going to win the Tony Award, but it's inspiring. Yeah, it absolutely is. And it is one of the bad things about the musical theatre industry that you can't put on a musical for less than X amount of money. It's so expensive, especially once you get into the trying to make it look as good as other musicals. Um, me putting on silly little shows in rooms above pubs somewhere is one thing. But when you yeah. try and stage an actual musical theatre show, I don't know if you saw Ride at Southwark Playhouse. They did a transparent accounting of what it cost to no, put on that show. I, I, did, I did see the show and then I remember that being mentioned in reviews, but yeah. I haven't actually seen the... I would really be really interested to it's see that terrifying how much goes into even a two-person show yeah. like Ride. It costs a lot and I guess the money has to come from somewhere and hopefully there will be more support for new writers in the future because if it can, anything British can do as well as Six has done, we can get our 80s reputation yeah. back. I just think um, there needs almost to be a mindset change about how we look on new work. You know, there's, there's, I, I've written about this before and I moaned on about it, but, you know, when a, a new writer comes comes you know up on normally with straight drama and and they put on a play or you know they it gets staged or produced it's sort of the attitude just seems different you know the kind of it's exciting it's new work and let's you know let's i'm sure it's i'm not making out that it's not easy isn't you know it's different I'm not making out that it's easy for them either. I'm sure it's very difficult for a writer of that kind of, you know, um, text to get it off the ground as well. But musicals obviously are very collaborative and they involve a lot more people normally and, um, you know, a lot more resources. Mm. And I I just don't know if it's um, new work is as nurtured or developed or celebrated as much as it should be. There are distinct people out there in the industry in the UK at the moment who are doing their very best to promote new work and that's great to see and you know um the more the better really you know and that we take it seriously you know but when you're in the um in new york and it does feel like it it is taken a lot more seriously and there is more space um you know and there are venues more venues to try things out and that's been tried here as well but perhaps not you know not to the same level yeah Two stars for the Sam Neill experience. So, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, which musical... I'm not bitter at all. Five years ago. Uh, which musical has made you laugh the most? You know, I found this quite difficult because... Um, well, I did think when I, was, when I saw Crazy For You recently, I laughed Ooh, out loud. Hilarious show. And I'd forgotten, because that's got a more current book, hasn't it? Because it was, re, you know, done yeah. almost like as a Gershwin jukebox Absolutely. musical. So its book is is not as old, I suppose, you know, sorry, original writers of some of these shows, <laughs> but it, it feels more contemporary. Yeah. And then you get all the slapstick alongside and the wonderful Charlie Stemp, um, who actually there's a link because he was, Charlie Stemp was a, is a big fan of Lee Evans. Oh, yeah. And um, oh, you can see that in the performance. Yeah, you? You really and, I, and Tom Eden, I think, who's um, also in the current production of Crazy View. I saw something on social media. I'm probably making up the circumstances now, but anyway, Charlie Stemp got to meet Lee Evans after one of the I don't know if it's press night or whatever, and he was like beside himself. Um, so there's a link then because one of the other shows I 
I, I just when as soon as I saw that question, I thought about the producers. Mm, um, of course. And of course, when the producers came over originally to the West End, Richard Dreyfus was supposed to um, play Max. Yeah. Um, but but I think it just turned out to be more demanding than he, he imagined. Yeah. Then we got Nathan Lane instead of Richard Dreyfus, um, which <laughs> sorry, Richard Dreyfus, quite excited about that because thought you know I don't know if I've ever seen Nathan Lane on stage apart from that one. So yeah. and then Lee Evans as well. So yeah, um, and just such a brilliantly you know written um, book and score and so so funny. But again, like that wonderful sophistication and cleverness about um writing about that kind of writing where you can one minute you know sort of break someone's heart and then have them guffawing so yeah um and then the only one i would quickly add to that is the prom um which i saw on broadway a couple of years ago which is the same kind of writers they're all they've all done sort of different things together the wedding singer and drowsy chaperone and elf the musical so those writers have all kind of worked together in some shape or form. Yeah. Um, and uh, I went where I went on a Saturday with my Saturday night musical when I last went to New York. Wow. And it was just because it's got lots of theatre. I mean, so I suppose some of it is a bit in jokey. <laughs> There's a little bit, but um, it's, you know, it's appealing start, enough. It starts with the sort of um, the concept of Eleanor Roosevelt, the musical, and um, <laughs> uh, which is quite amusing. But Beth Level, that, who was in that production, was. Just, I mean, I would encourage anyone to watch any stuff to do his best level and the prom on YouTube or whatever, because she was off the chart, you know, um, good in that. But the song and the, the writing for her yeah. and the rest of the cast is very, very funny, better than the movie version that <laughs> they did of that, unfortunately. I mean, just the line, so this tour de force won't be forced to tour. So witty. <laughs> I love it. Incredible. That's so brilliant. Yeah, I didn't know any of the lines <laughs> off the top of my head like that. But yeah, no, it's just a brilliant... Um, yeah, it hasn't been here, has it, at all? No, so we, as we, you say, we, we just have the movie version with James yeah, Corden. Yeah, which not I so... I mean, you know, I don't mind. I always think James Corden gets... <laughs> I quite like James Corden. I feel like he's, like, you know, trolled left, right and centre. Um, I th- You know, I think anybody who's got... Anybody who get, gets a, a big break and then is, ends up having talents in different areas can have a hard time. But, um, yeah, it's, but it's not... It was just being in, on, in New York on a Saturday night seeing yeah. the prom... It's, you know, fabulous memory, really. And I'm sure it will come to the West End at some point. I hope so. Yeah, I really hope so. But for now, we've got the movie version. What is your favourite movie musical? Well, this was not difficult at all because it would be really hard to pick one stage musical. I just, I find, I would really struggle with that. But it's Singing in the Rain um, because it's, yeah, I mean, I did spend quite a lot of my youth in front of the television watching um, movie musicals and my dad like telling me you know all the black and white ones and yeah uh, from the really really old ones to right through to the you know um really famous ones um yeah. but singing in the rain i mean also gene kelly was my absolute idol like uh, i was a very weird you know weird child who where they got asked at school who, um you know, write an essay about your who your hero is and people probably writing about you know wham or their favorites like soccer player or sports you know sports star um i always used to write about gene kelly he was my absolute i thought i just loved him so there's that and it's just i think it's a perfect it's perfect in every respect it's got everything you could possibly ask for so yeah if i ever get a chance to see it on you know it comes up in rep in the cinema i'm like you know yeah, there in the front row. Love it. Did you see the Saddler? I didn't, but did you see the Saddler's Wells production? I did, and actually, um, I did, and I've seen it a couple of times on stage. Um, 
and it does um it's it's lovely (laughs) it's it's lovely seeing it on stage um it's not gene kelly it's it's great to see those numbers done Uh, i mean obviously there are some elements you just can't you know um replicate i i think it's kind of um it ticks the boxes on stage but it just doesn't have the same kind of magic for me it's one of those ones where you know we've got so much going that way haven't we screen to stage stage to screen yeah and and sometimes one is better than the other um but i don't think the stage version is like cute but it doesn't get anywhere near the film for me so absolutely fair enough well, which musical might people be surprised to learn you love? <laughs> so this is like by Jeeves, which I don't know how many people will have seen. I haven't seen this. Um, because I tried to, I, look it, I looked it up and I think I saw it in the late 90s. I think the production I saw, I'm going to hopefully not get, you know, hopefully I'm not wrong in my memories. But I think the production I saw started off at, in Scarborough, perhaps at the Stephen Joseph. Okay. And then came into town for a bit. I don't know if it went through its whole run because I don't know how well it did. Mm. I think it's had it, it had its problems. Um, I think Tim Rice might have been on it originally with Andrew Lloyd Webber and then Alan Aitborn came in. But, it, but I did read a bit about it saying that Alan Aitborn wrote while he was doing it. They didn't particularly like musicals and some people felt like it could have worked Okay. as a stage show without the music but i love see i'm not like the i like and i yeah i've got no i'm not the mass, massive biggest andrew lloyd webber fan there is you know but if we pick ask me to pick my top five musicals it would not be an andrew lloyd webber musical in there that's just my opinion of course um controversial um, you've already said you like james gordon you mean controversial <laughs> i know i've already <laughs> like you know we're gonna get like told off of that um but this is probably my, one of my favourite Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. I love it. Yeah. I think it's charming. It's like a period piece. But the music is is absolutely charming. I love the melodies. Again, it's got, you know, silliness with the Jeeves and Worcester kind of, you know, relationship. I mean, I can't even remember all of the story except that, you know... Um, the Bertie Worcester accidentally gets engaged to three women or something and then they have to, like, very farcical and then they have to sort all that out. Um but I just loved it when I saw it. And I don't think many people <laughs> probably would put that on their list. I no, don't think. It sounds yeah. like one of those shows where it's a perfect coming together of, obviously, the source material is incredible, the yeah. Jeeves and Worcester, and then all the wittiness you'd get with that. You yeah. get music. I mean, whatever else you want to say about Andrew Lloyd Webber, he can write a good melody. Absolutely. But yeah, it's just like when you go see those shows where it might not be perfect in every single way but you really enjoy it because everything's come together on that night for you yeah i think that's absolutely spot on because it isn't a per- it's no way i mean I've, I've watched it there's a television version of it available or or it, i think it's a te- i think it's a television adaptation rather than it was filmed in the theater okay that doesn't really i think do it justice it, you had to really be you know be there in the theater um yes i mean i think you're absolutely right sometimes things just work on the night you see them yeah. you don't know why they you know you can see that they're not perfect shows um but they just connect with you and they stay with you and i've always um really would be happy to listen to the whole score again so but i doubt there's many people of my contemporaries that have remembered what seeing it actually but yeah i think stephen there was stephen pacey was in it and malcolm sinclair he would have been um he would have been james yeah okay yeah so and stephen pacey was bertie but yeah and i would just remember it being great and all like all the little sort of charming little dance numbers and 
Yeah, it was just really stuck with it. me. Some shows stick with you and you're not quite sure why, are you? Yeah, you as know. you say, it's about that connection. It's the connection yeah. on, at the time you see it, yeah, definitely. Well, on the other side of the coin, are there shows which really are beloved by everyone else but doesn't quite connect with you? It doesn't have to be it's a bad show, it doesn't have to yeah. be you hate it, it just doesn't quite connect with you like it does everyone else. Yeah, I can't get, I, I can't, I mean, I had a bit of a problem with him. When I, when I was getting my education from my father who loved musical theatre, yeah. he wasn't a very big fan of Andrew Lloyd Webber. So he kind of like, in a way, that had a, an influence on me, in a way, he never, like if he took me to any shows, he'd never really take me to Andrew Lloyd Webber's shows. So it's very late to finally get round to seeing some of them. But, but... I really, I just can't get excited about Phantom. Again, very controversial. And I know it's beloved, you know, um, but I just, I've, I didn't see it actually till quite late in my sort of musical theatre knowledge. Um, I, I can see that it's absolutely spectacular. I, I, even some of the, you know, some of the famous, you know, more well-known, well, actually the whole score doesn't offend me i don't hate it um and i and when i sort of you know if i'm watching west end live and i watch clips from it i can see the appeal but i just doesn't it just doesn't connect with me really so you know i mean it's overwhelming the talent of the people who perform it it's a hard sing absolutely um but yeah just never like i would not rush to you know i mean if someone came visiting and desperately wanted to see it then i would obviously take them to see it but i just yeah, I just wouldn't rush to see it. So sorry, everybody who loves that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you probably saved that. I think it's our most common answer for this question. Is it really? Uh, yeah, a lot of people. That's interesting. I think there's I a didn't slight, especially in this day and age, there's a slight creepiness about it anyway. And then, yes, Lord yeah. Webber's not the most fashionable person either. No, I mean, I'm. I think you know, I'm quite. I'm quite a fan of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Like you know, as a, I think. You know, he did, I mean, I'm sure people have got all kinds of things, you know, they don't like about him. He's just such a, it's easy to not like people who are that well known and have written so many shows and been that successful. That's again, yeah. sort of that thing we're very good at in this country <laughs> at doing. Mm. Um, so I have great admiration and respect for him. And and um, I thought, you know, he stood up a little bit more, more than certain other well-known producers um, and writers during lockdown. Um, so, yeah, uh, but I, but it's more his unusual, it's more his sort of works that haven't succeeded as well that I've connected with more, really. Very interesting. Yeah, so, strange. I'm strange <laughs> in that respect, but yeah. No, that's fair enough. Um, and you say you saw it quite late. I think it's, I be- it's one of those shows that you feel like it's always going to be there, so there's no rush to see it. I haven't seen it at all yet. Um, Have you not? I haven't. No, and it's a- one, you know, yeah. as much as I go around ostensibly not liking Andrew Lloyd Webber I should probably at least give his biggest West End show a chance yeah I only saw um aspects three aspects of love um a few weeks ago that's the first time how was that that was got some interesting reviews yeah I mean it was like you know how like people who like football they tick off sort of kind of football grounds yeah People think I'm strange. But, well, not. I'm sure people who listen to this wouldn't think they're strange. So, you know, I thought th- I thought this might be the last chance I get to. Oh, on that scale, absolutely. Yeah. Because I thought, is it going to be revived again? Sort of, you know, like that in my lifetime. So I thought I really must see it because I've missed it in one of its previous reincarnations. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's a tr- it's a it is a prob- again a problematic show. Even though they've tried to do address those issues, right. um, and in the second, it does begin to feel a bit uncomfortable. 
but I'm glad I saw it because I had no idea, you know, now I properly know the, sh- the show a bit more. I mean, not like the original, but I, you know, I know the show a bit more. And I know the music. Some of the music is rather lovely, um, actually. Again, that might draw me to, you know, it's a, it's a show that has been less successful. Um, and the, the, the performances were absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad I saw it, but it, it's quite, it's a little bit bewildering as a piece. I can I can see that. Yeah. I don't know what you mean. Um, it definitely had a lot of really good people in the cast. Everyone yeah. knows Love Changes Everything, and yeah. there will be things about it you can appreciate, even if it's just you're seeing a it's West quite End an odd spectacle. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you say, you can appreciate. I think it's one of those ones you go to to, you know, it's a troubled show. I think, and obviously people hadn't reacted to it as much as well as they'd hoped because obviously it came off quite early. Yeah. Um, but this, uh, yeah, the the performances, the vocals were wonderful. But it, yeah, it's it is a bit of a troubled story. And and now, and now someone they've had a go at. You'd have to do something quite radical with it, I think. To, and I don't know if you could get over the sort of incestuousness of the yeah that love triangle uh, at the yes. centre. That's not going anywhere. You'd yeah. have to do a huge. <laughs> I'm not sure if you change. could change that. I mean, they obviously like made them older. And, they changed mm. the age and things um, of, you know, the younger character, the daughter, but yeah. Well, enough of the ickiness, enough of the <laughs> negativity. No more ickiness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on the completely opposite side of it, uh, what do you think is the most romantic musical? Not a creepy phantom perving on some opera singer. <laughs> What's the most romantic musical? Um, well, I do, I do like some unrequited um, love in a musical. Uh, I do like to have a blub. So, you know, I know some of the classics... Um, are very romantic like you you know and but a happy ending is is a very lovely romantic thing but the thing that really connects with me romantically maybe it's because i spent most of my 20s like single (laughs) 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 and like and like obsessing about you know sort of unrequited love and you know singing diva songs to me about you know people not noticing me maybe it's to do with that but (laughs) but um but on the you know on the um sort of older musicals, I would say the, that exists in My Fair Lady um, yeah. in a way because um, it depends how the production plays it because I suppose you could think, well, they might become a couple at the end. But the, the way more recent productions have played it, it, it is not that way at all. And perhaps in the, our contemporary world, that makes more sense for Eliza to, you know, hold her yeah. own even more than she more does in the origi- original. And in the last production I saw, which was a Bartlett Share production, um, at Lund- the, I obviously went on tour as well, but I saw it at the Coliseum. At the end, Eliza just walked away. Just walked um, through the audience away from him. Oh yeah. my Gorgeous. gosh, that was a killer, that was. Um, but with <laughs> the same um, backing, with the same orchestral movement behind. Yeah. So it was a really powerful moment. Because in the film, you know, when she says, oh, um, I wash my face. What did she say? Oh, something about, did she say the slipper line at the end? Or did she say, I wash my face and hands before I come? I did. I don't know. She says that final line. And, mm. and then in the film, she just stands there. And in some of the productions I've seen... Um, I saw this lovely production, I think it was the, the Adelphi with t- the actor Tony Britton and um, Liz Robertson, who was um, and, um, Alan J. Lerner's wife um, okay. um, in it. And it was a very s- charming, it was a really wonderful production, but probably played quite conventionally when, now I look back on it. But that rather shocked me, the end of the, yeah. So I, so, so I find it quite romantic when... The, the love's there, but they it does, and what and the other one is once, which I um, 
I is one of my actually mm. all time favorite musicals. Um, and I, I just, you know, I'm in a mess. <laughs> completely in a mess by the end because because they do they because they have this massive connection but they can't stay together and then he yeah. buys at the piano <laughs> there's something really special about once the way that once is so simple in a lot of ways but it just seems like it's telling a very primal human story and it connects to everyone who sees it yeah i just um i saw the concert you know recently because i've been other a, a, there's a production on in, re, in regionally at the moment but um yeah. Uh, I saw the concert version recently, which had Carrie Hope Fletcher, Jamie Muscato. Oh yeah, wow! Um, um, they were both brilliant. Jamie Muscato is because he was like, you know, playing um, the guitar as well and everything. Um, and that was just like a they. Well, it was it was just a sort of stage concert, but they did it brilliantly, mm. and it got me again. Yeah, as you say, it's one of those shows where not a lot happens, really, but you. But over the space of a couple of hours, um, they sort of do so much for each other. Yeah. Really. They both are sort of different people by the end of it. And although they can't be together, it's been like a really sort of beautiful sort of experience for them both. It always, I just think it's incredibly romantic. Yeah. I it love does it. tap into some human truth, I think. I, it's yes, yeah. absolutely. Like a guttural sort of, you know, yeah. yeah, sobbing for me in the audience for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which musical have you never seen that you think you should see well i was going to say more recently well at the moment i want to see mrs doubtfire um but that's obviously on so i can hopefully go and see that and i really wanted to see brokeback mountain oh yeah um, that was fantastic. So i didn't get to see that it would have made you cry definitely yeah that would have made me because I, I yeah i really wanted to see that i had a really big busy theater week that week and there was mm. just it was closing, it was closing, and I just couldn't get oh. it. Um, and I doubt, I don't know what, when I'll get another opportunity to see that. But I also, out of the kind of older shows, I've never seen, you know, again, I want to tick the box. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've never seen Chess. And a big one, yeah. And there was a concert version of that quite recently. I didn't get to that. But obviously that wouldn't be quite like seeing a full production. But that's not, I mean, it's not easy to have seen it, really. That You know, there haven't been... That's true, you yeah. Know, there have, I think, yeah, I think there have been the odd production. But yeah, I have never, it's one of those ones I've never got around to seeing. I'm not actually sure if you, like, asked me to put my hand on heart and thought, would you, you know, would you enjoy it? I'm not sure it would be my kind of thing. But then it might surprise me, mightn't it? You know, so... Um, yeah, I would be really, I would like to tick that box. And, you know, it's such an interesting premise. It's quite sort of got some relevant, you know, relevance to current politics as well. That's true. Um, the sort of more well-known songs I like. So, yeah, yeah. and I, and I've not, you know, the whole staging of it fascinates me. So, yes, I would be into yeah. I wouldn't. I would really like to tick that box off, yeah. It's one that I hear a lot of rumours about. It's, it's always like, they're going to do a new production, they're going to do a movie of it, they're going to do something. And I feel like at some yeah, point something's going to happen. it's got to happen, hasn't it? Yeah. Come on, someone. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I suppose it's so difficult, isn't it? Because would it play now so well? You know, you've got to think if you're going to do, uh, uh, as you said earlier, you know, every production, whether it's a revival or a new show, it costs so much money. That's You've true. got to be really careful nowadays, you know, but maybe sort of a smaller, like a chamber production of it, you know, um, like they did what was Titanic or something like that originally, you know, maybe that that yeah. could work. And the, the Lord of the Rings they've got at the moment yeah, in a relatively that, small theatre, who, yeah, who would have thought that would work? Yeah, I would love that. And it's been really well received, hasn't it? And, uh, you know, managed to seem to have done it without 12.5 million, <laughs> like the <laughs> original <laughs> production, uh, which I saw, I do vividly remember, well, I don't oh, wow. actually remember the show. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, which is probably uh, <laughs> I do remember that we, we were. Um, yeah, I just remember sort of it being so epic yeah. and also having a seat really annoying me towards the back where, you know, when the circle, you're in the theatre when the circle overhangs the stalls oh, no. and it and it sort of cuts off the hot top half of the stage. So I remember that about it. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I don't remember an enormous amount about the production except that it looked like it cost a lot of money. <laughs> but this yeah. new, I mean, I hope I get a chance to see this new production. That, that sounds... Magical. I, really so. but, I, I live sort of west of London anyway, so I should be able to get out. I know, it like, so. sounds a little bit immersive and yeah, wonderful cast. Um, yeah, shows you what you can do sometimes when you yeah. bring it down a bit, you know. So, and when you have very talented set designers and lighting absolutely. designers who can put you into that world. And again, it's a, you know, I think I said in my Lacage review that um, musical theatre is at its best as a collaborative art form. Yes. And, when, and when all the creatives, you feel when you're watching something that all the creatives are on the same page. Yes. And and if, if that happens and it all clicks in, then you can really see that, you know, really see how that pays off. And it's, you know, it sounds like it's paid off as that. So, yeah. Can't wait. We'll, we'll make a trip of it at some point. Yeah, <laughs> road trip, please. Thank you. I'll, I'll drive. <laughs> well, which musical's fictional world would you most like to live in? I can see the Shire being appealing, but if you don't really remember <laughs> the details of the show. No, I was trying to think about this. It's quite difficult, isn't it? Because some of the, the fictional worlds, you think, well, I love the show, but I, I wouldn't want to live in... <laughs> Like in, in the world of Wicked or yeah. Les Mis. <laughs> I, I couldn't survive in the revolution, of course. <laughs> so they're kind of like quite dark, some of these, you know, when I started thinking about it. But anyway, I decided perhaps because of the current production at the bridge that it would be really good fun to be in the world of guys and dolls. So fun, yes. Um, everyone's singing, everyone's really well-dressed and beautiful. I, mean, I think that's been influenced by Nicholas Heitler's production because it's so yeah. immersive and... And, you know, you, when you're there, I mean, I didn't, I didn't stand. I, I was a very boring person and sat down. Um, but you just feel like you're in the, you know, in that world. And I just thought, oh, you could go to the hot box and you could have yeah. cheesecake at Mindy's. You could go to Havana. Lovely. With, oh, yeah. you know, um, with Sky. And, um, and then there's that wonderful um, number, my time of day, you know, where they come back in the early hours yeah. and they're walking through like Times Square and in the early hours of like, oh. you know, I thought, oh, that will time. So, yeah. <laughs> Please, someone arrange that for me. That would be really nice. <laughs> I know what you mean, because theoretically, you could go to New York, you could go to all these places, but to be able to go and live that lifestyle and Just have the lighting be perfect and everyone be so well dressed. I know, it's the colourfulness of the, you know, that time. Yeah. And um, it, yeah, to, I mean, I love, you know, I've only been, I haven't been to New York, I've been, I think, about three or four times um, over quite a long period um and um and it's just i mean it never loses its excitement and film set quality mm. um but to go in a different era you know yeah, and and also and wear the dresses and you know um and sort of just you know combine you know, just be part of that picture would be amazing so yeah i I, well, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, yeah, that's definitely the one I'd really like to do, yeah. Well, I do recommend the standing experience because you do get actors talking to you as well. Yeah. And you feel like it's going to be a lot on your feet for three hours, but you're but walking around, you're following the crowd and it doesn't feel It's painful. an it's okay. incredible um, production-wise. I mean, I mean, someone, I just, sometimes when I see things like that, I think someone's sat in a room and designed all that, you oh, know, yeah, and made that happen and then got, and built it to scale so that all those sets could go up and down. And sometimes it could be the hot box with, you know, 
with Marisha Wallace and all the girls dancing. Then it could be... There's, there was one amazing bit where I was on one side of the stage and and then, you know, the the beginning of Luck Be A Lady sequence was going to start. So yeah. you saw them go down, like, you know, Sky um, and Nicey Nicey. They go down to the, you know, down to the sewer, don't they? Mm. And then as they went down to the sewer the platform where they're all in place on the platform where they come up for the beginning of the crap game. And that was only, I didn't realise they were getting in place because it was on the other side of me. And the way that happened and the way the orchestra came in with the beginning of that sequence, I mean, that was spectacular. Absolute magic. Yeah. I mean, and some, you know, people create, you know, people just take sometimes, you can, you can take that for granted when you're enjoying something so much, but that is so clever yeah amazing well speaking of excellent restagings if you were to direct a Um, radical restaging of a classic musical which one would you choose well i found this really difficult as well you you asked a direct you you ask really difficult questions sometimes um yeah well i kind of thought this is people are gonna like what listen to this and think i'm a a bit mad but they're probably (laughs) thinking that already anyway um we've been going for an hour yeah that's been established (laughs) i think um I was thinking Sound of Music. I, now I think this is because I went to see the Sound of Music recently yeah. at Chichester. And the next day, lots of people were giving it five stars or, you know, and I'm, I don't, I'm not knocking that. It was a, it was a charming production and everybody was very good in it. Previous but podcast I, guest, Gina Beck was yes. I'm sure amazing. Oh yeah. She, yeah. I mean, it was really, it was lovely. It, if, if you want a very safe, conventional um you know slightly slightly bland um um production of a very well-known show then mm. you know and i didn't know whether they thought oh, we did quite a lot with assassins that was quite red- radical that was very radical <laughs> I see, yeah. so we'll be safe with sound music and people and people you know the majority of the audience i it gave them i imagine what they wanted but i just said it nickled me slightly and then i spoke to another critic who really loved it and she said, well, what could you do with it? Because, you know, she remembered a production, I think maybe Phil Wilmot directed many years ago, where they had like, she said they had like dancing nuns and things, like almost on a can-can line. Okay. And and she said, well, that wasn't really, you know, that wasn't quite what people wanted either. Um, so I know it's really difficult, but I don't, it frustrates me because I don't see why we can't, like the Oklahoma saying, mm. why we can't do something a bit radical sometimes. Now, people, obviously, there's a chance that they might hate it. But, you know, if Julius Caesar or, you know, that kind of, you know, you know, a history play like that can be brought into the 21st century, yeah. why, why can't, and this sounds a bit mad, but why can't we bring, you know, a, sh- a show like that into the 21st century you know we're in a world where you know in sound in the sound of music there's um two countries one much larger than the other that are linked historically and one invades the other oh could we think of something maybe Mm. that's happening at the moment that's a bit like that and then um obviously if you had the captain van um captain von trapp character if he were, if you take something like you, Ukraine and you introduce a, a, a character like him, he could quite easily have once been in the so in the Soviet military, sure. and then maybe be asked to then come into that. But he perhaps wouldn't want to in the in the um, modern situation. Yeah. Plus, you've got you know religion is important in Ukraine, so you could still have 
Maria like having that sort of um, conflict mm. between um, her, the love for her religion and a, a physical love for someone. You can have the conflict between you doing what's right for you or doing what's right for a bigger cause. And, and maybe it's like a mad idea, but I just think sometimes, you know, why not do something completely out of the box with something that we take for granted? So yeah. that would be my directorial comfort. I like that. That's bold. That's very bold. <laughs> bold or either completely book bonkers. But, but to you do know. it with something like Sound of Music as well, as you say, it's what people watch every time. I mean, you'd have Christmas. to bill it. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that it's ever going to happen. And you couldn't put that on in like somewhere like Chichester where, you know, you just couldn't do it. But I don't, and it, you know, commercially, you know, if you said, if you say the sound of music to people, that means a certain thing, doesn't it? Yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't know, a fringe production or Edinburgh or something. It would be amazing to see someone try and do something different from it. Because I just came away, maybe I'm, I've seen too many productions or, I don't know, I just came away from thinking, isn't there anything else that could ever be done with this from the, you know, even though, very well yeah. done no you're very right <laughs> trying that's, to be diplomatic there. <laughs> that's exactly the scale it would have to be done as well because if you do try and do a new west end version of no, sound of music do, where it's yeah, all changed yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. people kick off when they change the quality street chocolate selection <laughs> it's like people are really attached to these things from their childhood and i know when they change the recipe of the dairy milk you know or something then it's just oh, yeah. Yeah. oh actually that was valid I agree with that. <laughs> that was awful how dare they but yeah no i just yeah i just it's accepted in in you know maybe in a Shakespeare you know we can do things with all kinds of like classic um playwrights and masters of writing yeah um but you know we have to it's expected that we're more, more careful um but I mean obviously people have to make money at the end of the day they have to create productions that pay the you know pay the people involved so I, I appreciate yeah. that that's not going to be on <laughs> Well, it's not I'll going go. to be on in the West End. I'll buy a ticket to your production you of Sound of Music. That, yeah. oh, you're very kind, <laughs> <Yeah>. thank you. <laughs> it's the prospect for the future for you. <laughs> well, the big question, the reason everyone tunes in, no one tunes in, the reason everyone tunes in, if <laughs> everyone they Everyone tunes in. If you were the mayor of musical theatre, if you had that power, which show would you order be staged forever so you can go see it whenever you want and in which venue? See, I found this absolutely, uh, really, like the most difficult question of all. But I, 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 have people answered this and said more than one show? Have they always been good and said like the one show? <laughs> you <laughs> can definitely say more than one show. I think for every other question but you I have. I think the so. general thing I would say is I would pick a show that I could, this sounds so cheesy and sentimental, but I would pick a show that um, I can recall the emotion and excitement I had when I saw it for the first time when I was like kind of, you know, um, first discovering uh, musical theatre. And I'd want to sit in the auditorium and relive one of those experiences. And I'd almost want it to be the exactly same production, so not, you know, just see a production of Carousel or whatever, but, um, but you know, relive the feeling yeah. of being there. And I suppose, and, and so I saw West Side Story at Her Majesty's Theatre when I was quite young. When my, I went with my mum and when my dad picked me up, I literally buried my head in the back seat and sobbed my eyes out, wow. crying to a bit of a theme, obviously. Yeah. And I remember my dad saying, oh, you really enjoyed it then. <laughs> <laughs> I was just overwhelmed. Yeah. And so it's that kind of thing, you know, when I, I saw Follies for the first time which is a Julia McKenzie production 
uh, she was Sally and Jenna Russell, I think, was potentially, if I've got that right, Ooh, the, that young, the youngest Sally. And Diana Rigg was in it. Eartha Kitt played Carlotta. Um, That's a great cast. I know, Incredible. it was an amazing wow. cast. And it was, I think it was at the Shaftesbury. I'll probably get that wrong. Um, I, I, I saw a matinee and at the end of it, I... I wouldn't, I, I sort of, I wouldn't move. I said, I just want to sit here and watch, please can I sit here and watch it again? So it's, mm. and it's, it's the feeling I felt at the Nicholas Heitner carousel at the National when after the opening, the, that is the most, one of the most beautiful openings of production I've ever seen. And I looked at my dad, my dad looked at me and we both knew how we felt about it. So I think, um, so I think it would be just to relive um, one of those experiences um, would be amazing, and and I think I think the Sondheim it would have to tussle between Follies and Merrily, yeah, because I love Merrily so much. Even though it's, I know that's, yeah, even though that's obviously been a more troubled show, but um, since the Maria Friedman production is obviously, oh, you know, been, I only saw the recorded version, but yeah, oh yeah, that was a, so that kind of you know obviously not fixed the show, but made you know so much more a commercial prospect, I suppose. But that was a really beautiful production, yeah. So um, there's too many shows to mention, really. But and I haven't really properly answered that question, but that's I found it really difficult. <laughs> uh, I'll absolutely let you have all the shows, but show maybe they can do them. Maybe they can do them one after another. On Monday they do Follies. On Tuesday they do. They could just have a week of different. <laughs> but one thing I will pin you down on, though, which yeah. venue would be your ideal venue oh, to see gosh, all these? Oh, gosh, I hadn't even thought about that. Do you have that. a favourite venue? Wow. Or maybe just the most perfect venue for this sort of show? Yeah. Well, oh, that's really interesting. I think I'd go for one of the... Um, well, I'm thinking, thinking. Um, and the Palace is lovely because it was the first really West End, you know, um, show I saw. But I'd probably pick one of the Shaftesbury Avenue theatres, I think, okay. because I know that they're not very good for toilets <laughs> and <laughs> things like that. They're yeah. not very practical in the modern world, but they still have that intimacy that, yeah. you know, that um, some of the bigger West End theatres don't have. So I think I'd pick one of those, which one of the smaller venues, I suppose, maybe the Illyric or something like that, where yeah. you can still get the intimacy, but be in a West End theatre. Yeah, lovely, lovely choice. Yeah, I think that's what I'd go for. I hadn't really thought about that beforehand, so that's just off the top of my head, really. Okay. Well, when they're done with Aspects of Love and Death Note and Hades Town and all these great shows they have coming I up, know. they can get onto your. I know one so show many after lots of things to look forward to in that respect. Really, yeah, no. Well, speaking of things to look forward to, what can our listeners look forward to for Musical Theatre Review over the next short while? Do you want to well, plug it's, anything? Well, it's nice. It's it's. I mean, it's it's fantastic because it's a very busy. You know, it's just Edinburgh's just about coming to a, a close. Yep. Um, so sadly, we weren't able to. Um, so we're just finishing up our coverage of that. Sadly, we weren't able to give our best musical award this year because our Edinburgh editor was poorly. So, oh, no. um, so, but we've done some picks of the fringe. So we're just coming to the end of that. And then, of course, musicals get really nice and busy before Christmas arrives, and it's all pantos and Christmas shows. Um, so yeah, just lots of coverage of. Um, you know all the big show you know some biggies coming up like sunset and yeah you know um so just but i think i suppose what's important about musical theater review for me is to cover all those really juicy west end openings that we're looking forward to but also as much as give the equal importance to the sort of fringe regional productions and tours so yes. this part of the year is always really busy 
um, with lots of tours beginning after the summer um, and a few big West End shows to look forward to as well. So, yeah, so all the the coverage of that and hopefully some um, nice sort of um, interviews, Instagram takeovers to go with that and then your wonderful podcast as well of course thank you and of course the competitions because who can actually afford to buy a theatre ticket these days let's give away some tickets oh yeah that's, I'm going to give do another push on that I think because we did a big yeah. push on that at the beginning of the year and we got some really good tickets and it's going to be quiet over the summer so yeah I mean people let me know what those shows are that they're desperate to see and then maybe I can start pushing for some ticket giveaways well I think that's everything thank you so much for being an incredible mayor of musical theatre you're welcome. Thank you for the chat. And I'm sorry if I've rambled on a bit. <laughs> it's good to have a long episode now and then. I think some of them have been like 20 like minutes. Like so. <laughs> Yes, it's good. Well, you're someone who has seen a lot of shows, so it's good to get that expertise out into the world and inform people about things they should well, be looking Well, it's been up. really nice to be asked along and to talk about it. So thank you very much. I'm Absolutely really pleasure. enjoying the podcast. Um, so, yeah, thanks for what you're doing for Musical Theatre Review as well. Thank you. So that was Lisa Martland. Thank you so much to Lisa. A lovely human being, a a wealth of theatre knowledge that woman has. She is absolutely incredible. Um, Make sure you check out musicaltheaterreview.com. This podcast is produced in association with them. It's your premier source for news, reviews, interviews on all things on stage, backstage and worldwide. Thank you so much for listening. 30 whole episodes. Um, There'll be many more. Don't worry. We've got some recorded already. We're going to carry on with this. It's uh, it's been really fun so far and the guests have all been wonderful, Lisa especially. Um, do go and check out those back episodes if you haven't already. Leave a review online if you want to. Recommend it to friends. Um, follow on the social medias at Musical Mayor Pod and also follow Musical Theatre Review at Musical Theatre R on Twitter and at Musical Theatre Review on Instagram. Um, thank you so much, everyone. And you'll hear me again next episode. Bye bye. <laughs>